Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our Sunday night service here at Mercedes Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia. I'm Pastor Chris Hall. It's good to have all of you uh, here with us today in our sanctuary. And those who are joining us on our Facebook page and other media outlets as well. On Sunday nights at Mercedes Baptist Church, we are studying the book of Revelation. And we're way deep into this book as uh, we come to Revelation chapter 20. And tonight we'll begin reading in verse 7 in just a moment. And we'll be reading down through verse 15. So I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me there as we continue our study of the book of Revelation tonight. Uh, tonight we're going to look at the great white throne judgment of God. That final judgment of God upon the unsaved, upon those who refuse to receive Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. These are quite sobering verses. These are frightening verses, but they are true verses. They are just as true as John 3.16 or Genesis 1.1. They're just as true as your favorite verse in the Bible. And we're going to look at them tonight and study them tonight. And our prayer is that for believers, it will be a motivation for us to pray for our lost friends and neighbors, our lost family members, to pray for them. And also a motivation for us to use every opportunity that we can, to use what God has given to us, to be a part of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world. And so I pray that this will be a motivation for believers tonight as we look at the great white throne judgment. And of course, I pray also that it will be a motivation to those who are not saved. You may dismiss these verses as fantasy. You may dismiss these verses as something that will never happen. But my friend, this will happen. And if you're not a Christian, you're going to be at the great white throne judgment. And it's not a judgment that will go very well for you. And so I would encourage you as you listen to these verses tonight, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God will touch your heart and move you and motivate you to make a decision to give your life to Jesus Christ. But before we look at the great white throne judgment, there are some verses that we want to look at prior to this event. And those verses are found in Revelation chapter 20, starting in verse 7. You might remember as we studied the millennial reign of Christ last week, that at the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ, Christ will take Satan and put him in prison for a thousand years. During that thousand-year reign of Christ, Satan and all of his demonic forces will be put in prison in the bottomless pit in the abyss. And so for that thousand-year reign of Christ on this rejuvenated earth, Satan and his demonic forces, his evil horde, will not be allowed to carry out their evil business during the millennial reign of Christ. But the Bible says this, and it sounds strange to us, that at the end of those thousand years, that thousand-year reign of Christ on this earth, Satan will be released from that prison. He 
and his spiritual forces. And they will be allowed to come into the world once again. And once again, Satan will do his evil work. And he will inspire a great rebellion against God even during the millennial reign of Christ. These are strange verses to us. This is a strange concept to us. But hopefully we can understand it in a better way tonight. So I invite you to take your Bibles. We'll first of all look at those verses, and then we'll turn to the great white throne judgment of God. Revelation chapter 20, starting in verse 7. Now when the thousand years have expired, the Bible says, Satan will be released from his prison. And so first of all, we want to look at Satan's release. Again, at the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ, earlier in this chapter, chapter 20 of Revelation, the Bible says that Satan has been cast into a prison. Satan and his evil forces will not be allowed to do their evil work on this world during the time of the millennial reign of Christ. But at the end of that thousand years, the Bible says that Satan and his spiritual forces will be released from that prison. Then in verse 8, they will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. And so the, the Bible teaches us that after Satan and his evil forces are released, they will go out into the world, into the rejuvenated earth, into the millennial reign of Christ, the world that is ruled by the millennial reign of Christ. Satan and his evil forces, after they are released, will go out into the world and inspire a rebellion against Christ and a rebellion against God, a rebellion against the people of God. And Satan will gather together a massive number that will come and attack Jerusalem. And all of this is happening now during the perfect conditions on earth of the millennial reign of Christ. In verse 9, they went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, that is Jerusalem. This massive horde that has been inspired by Satan now comes and surrounds the city of Jerusalem, the nation of Israel, the headquarters of Christ during the millennial reign of Christ. And then fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured those who had come against Christ. Then after that, the devil, who deceived them, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That is the final disposition of Satan. Removed after that rebellion has been defeated by God and thrown into the lake of fire, the final destination of Satan. And there with all of those who have rejected Christ, and there Satan and the demons 
will be in that place and with all of those who have rejected Christ for all eternity. Now let's try to understand this. Satan is cast in the prison. A thousand years later, he comes out of that prison. But Satan, believe it or not, is not reformed by being cast into a prison for a thousand years. When Satan comes out of that prison after that thousand years of incarceration, he will be just as evil and even more so than when he went in. There's no reformation for Satan. There's no repentance of Satan. There's no turning around and, and stop being the enemy of God that he has always been with Satan. No. Satan will be just as evil and more so when he comes out of prison than when he went into prison at the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ. Now, at the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ, there will only be believers on the earth. At the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ on this rejuvenated earth, there will be the angels of God, there will be the saints of God who were with Jesus in heaven, their souls and their spirits with Jesus in heaven, the resurrection has occurred, They've been rejoined with their bodies. The glorified saints will be on earth during the time of the millennial reign of Christ. But also entering into the millennial reign of Christ will be those believers, those believers in Jesus, those tribulation saints who survived the tribulation. And they enter into the millennial reign of Christ alive. And there will be many of those believers who actually survive the tribulation. And when Jesus comes and sets up his millennial reign on this rejuvenated and renewed earth, and then these believers who survive the tribulation will enter into the millennial reign of Christ. And apparently, throughout the generations of the millennial reign of Christ, these tribulation saints who survive the tribulation and enter into the millennial reign of Christ, will marry. The Bible talks about children during the millennial reign of Christ. Children growing up. The Bible says that a child, uh, that at a person as a, at a hundred years of age during the millennial reign of Christ will be as a child. Uh, the, the length of life during the millennial reign of Christ will stretch on and on. It'll be one of the blessings of the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus. But these tribulation saints who survive the tribulation and enter into the millennial reign of Christ will apparently marry. And they will have children. And throughout the, the, the generations of the millennial reign of Christ, children will be born and they will populate the earth. Now, during the millennial reign of Christ, those who were born during the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus will have to be saved. They will need to be saved. Even though they're living in the conditions, the wonderful conditions of the millennial reign of Christ, they still will have to give their life to Christ. They still will have to be saved. They still will be born with that sinful nature and they'll have to repent and receive Christ 
during the millennial reign of Christ. And so there'll be generation after generation of those born during that time who will have to be saved, who will need to be saved, who will need to receive Christ. Now you would think that it would be easy for a person who's living during the millennial reign of Christ to be saved when they, the Lord Jesus himself is living upon this earth and glorified saints are ruling upon the earth. And even the angels are present upon the earth. Even in the pristine conditions of the earth, of a rejuvenated earth, an earth that was, is, is like it was before the fall of man, you would think in those conditions that everyone would be saved, that everyone would give their life to Christ in those perfect conditions. But may I remind you that Adam and Eve failed in the perfect condition, the perfect conditions of the Garden of Eden. And so children will be born and they will need to be saved. They will need to give their life to Christ during the time of the millennial reign of Christ. Some will. But apparently there will be many who will not. Now evil will not be tolerated during the millennial reign of Christ. The Lord Jesus will rule with a rod of iron. He will be a merciful God, a compassionate God, but evil and sin will not be tolerated, swiftly dealt with during the millennial reign of Christ. And so you will have many unbelievers during this time, boring during the millennial reign of Christ, whose desire to sin and rebel and, and whose desire to do evil is suppressed and held in check by the conditions of the millennial reign of Christ so that they do not carry out their sinful nature, the desires of their sinful nature. But then Satan is released. And Satan and his evil hordes, after they are released, will go out and about throughout the earth inspiring and organizing those unbelievers now that live in the conditions of the millennial reign of Christ to come together, to come and to join in a rebellion, believe it or not, in a rebellion against Christ. Even in those perfect conditions, they will want to rebel against God. And so Satan will inspire a great multitude, a horde of these people to rebel against God. Satan will organize them and then they will advance to surround Jerusalem, the beloved city, to surround the saints of God, to take aim at another rebellion inspired by Satan against God. And of course, that rebellion will fail. And then God will deal with those rebels who had every opportunity, the greatest opportunity in the history of man to be believers in Christ, living in those perfect conditions of the millennial reign of Christ, yet still rebelling against God. God will deal with those rebels, and then he will deal with Satan. And he will cast Satan and his demons into the lake of fire. Already there is the Antichrist and the false prophet. And that will be Satan's final destination. And the Bible says that they will be tormented there night and day forever 
and ever. Now you might want to ask, why does this happen? What's the point of this? Why does this occur? Why does God allow it to occur? Well, this is one example. This is the last example of the fact that evil and sin does not depend upon a person's environment or conditions. Now, a person, how a person is raised, the environment of their living, the conditions of their living does have an effect on a person, on how they act and how they think and the things that they do. But it doesn't determine the, the composition of their heart, the destination of our, their heart. You can have a person that is raised in perfect conditions and they turn out evil. You can have a person raised in awful conditions and they turn out wonderful. This is another example. This is the final exhibit of the fact that evil comes from the heart of human beings. Yes, inspired by Satan. Satan inspires unbelievers to do evil, but the evil is already there in their heart. People need to be born again. And even after we're born again, we still have to deal with the residue of our old lost life. And so this is the final exhibit of the fact that evil and sin doesn't depend on the environment or the conditions in which a person is living or raised. Evil comes from the human heart. It's the human heart that has to be changed. You, you can take an individual, put them in the best conditions you can put them in, but if they're not born again, that evil nature will soon come to the surface. And this is the example of that, the final example of that. The final exhibit of where evil comes from, it comes from the human heart. Now after this, there will be the, the final judgment, the great white throne judgment of God, and then there'll be the introduction of the new heaven and the new earth. And there'll be no more sin and no more sorrow and, and nothing evil will be allowed in those conditions, and we'll look at that in that place, the new heaven and the new earth, and we'll look at that in the days to come. So that's a look at those verses prior to the great white throne judgment. Now let's continue reading in Revelation 20, starting in verse 11. As we look at these frightening verses of the great white throne judgment of God, John wrote, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no peace for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each according to his own works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now this passage describes the final judgment of all the unsaved who have ever lived. 
This is no doubt, these verses, no doubt, are the most sobering, serious, and tragic passage in all of the Bible. At the great white throne judgment, the unsaved of all of the ages will face the God that they have rejected, that they have rebelled against, that they have denied. Since the fall of man, Satan has tried to convince people that there is no accountability to God. Satan has tried to convince people there is no God. But even unbelievers believe that there is a God. And Satan has tried to convince people that there is no accountability to God. There's no judgment after death. We live in a day when no one wants to be judged. Don't judge me is the calling card, the cry of this generation, especially in America. The Bible declares that God is a God of mercy, and He is a God of grace. God longs to forgive sinners. He would much rather forgive than judge and condemn. God gave His only begotten Son, His only begotten Son, to provide a way that we might be forgiven and saved from the penalty of sin. God sends the Holy Spirit of God to open the minds and the hearts of lost sinners to their lostness, to the truth of the gospel and their need to be saved. No matter where a person lives in the world, no person, and this is a statement that needs to be understood, no matter where a person lives in the world, no person lives and no person dies without many opportunities to respond to God's work in their life and be saved. God gives light to every person, and if that person will follow that light, it will lead them to Christ, who will save them when they give their life to Him. But the Bible also declares that those who refuse to repent... Those who refuse to respond to God's outreach and His grace will one day face His final judgment at the great white throne. First of all, I want us to see the sequence of the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment will occur at the end of the millennial reign of Christ immediately after Satan's final rebellion has been put down by God. And the great white throne judgment immediately precedes the establishment of the new heaven and the new earth. Second of all, I want us to see the scene of the great white throne judgment. In these verses, John describes the terrible scene of the great white throne judgment. John sees the Lord Jesus Christ seated on a throne of judgment and standing before Him are the unsaved of all of the ages. We know that the one who is seated on the throne is the Lord Jesus because the Bible teaches that it is Jesus who will judge sinners. John 5, 22, for the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. 
John 5, verses 26 and 27, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Acts chapter 10, verse 42, the Apostle Peter said this, And he has commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he, that is Jesus, who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and of the dead. The throne that the Lord Jesus is sitting on in this passage is called great. Not only because of its size, but also because of the significance and the majesty and the authority represented by this throne. The fact that the throne is a white throne symbolizes absolute purity, perfect holiness, and perfect justice. The holy perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ will not allow him to do anything that is not right, anything that is not just, and anything that is not holy. The verdicts handed down by the Lord Jesus Christ at the great white throne will be absolutely right, absolutely just, and absolutely holy. No one who is judged at the great white throne judgment will have any grounds for an appeal or a complaint that his or her sentence is unjust. The judge of the earth will always do that which is right. Second of all, or thirdly, I want us to see the summons of the great white throne. John said that every unsaved sinner who has ever lived will be summoned before God at the great white throne judgment. John saw the lost of all of the ages. He saw the small and the great. He saw the somebodies and the nobodies. All of them summoned before the throne. Pastor and theologian John Phillips wrote this about this passage. Little men and paltry women whose lives were filled with pettiness, selfishness, and nasty little sins will be there. Those whose lives amounted to nothing will be there. Whose sins were drab and adultery, mean, spiteful, peevish, groveling, vulgar, common, and cheap. They will be there. The great will be there. Men who sinned with a high hand, with dash and with courage and flair. Men like Alexander and Napoleon, Hitler, and Stalin. They will be present at the great white throne. Men who went in for wickedness on a grand scale with the world for their stage and who died unrepentant to the very end. Now one and all are arraigned and on their way to being damned. A horrible fellowship of the lost congregated together for the first and for the last time. 
Next, I want us to see the standard at the great white throne. Each unsaved person stands before the Lord at the great white throne judgment. And each unsaved person will give an account of their life. And the Bible says that books will be opened. Daniel 7, verses 9 through 10. Listen to these verses. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him, ten thousand uh, times ten thousands uh, stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened, according to Daniel. Now, what books will be opened at the great white throne judgment? The first book that is opened at the great white throne judgment contains a record of every thought, every word, every action, every deed of every unsaved person who has ever lived. God keeps a perfect, accurate, and comprehensive record of every person's life. Every word, every thought, every action, all the deeds of every person is recorded by God. The life and the deeds of every unsaved sinner will be laid against and measured by God's perfect and holy standard. The Lord Jesus defined that holy standard in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father is perfect. For a person to be saved on their own, for a person to bypass Christ, to bypass the cross, to bypass the gospel, for a person to be saved on their own, on their own merits, for a person to be saved on their own, being 51% good and 49% bad is not enough. You have to be perfect. Being 99.999% good and 0.0001% bad is not enough. For a person to be saved on their own, they have to be perfect. Now, since no human being is perfect, including me and including you, to be saved and accepted by God, in order for that to happen, we have to receive a perfection that is not our own. We can't achieve that on our own, but we must receive a perfection from someone else who will give it to us. Here's what happens when a person gives their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus on the cross is applied to their sin debt. And that sin debt of that person 
is paid finally, fully, and forever. But that's not all. When a person gives their life to Christ, we give him our sin. He gives us his perfection. The Lord Jesus Christ covers our imperfect life with his perfection so that when God looks at us, he sees us through the filter of the perfection of Christ. Ephesians 1, 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. We are accepted by God because of Jesus and the perfection that he gives us. Now the Bible says when we go to heaven, he's going to make us perfect. <laughs> in order to go to heaven, we have to have the perfection of Christ. And when we go to heaven and we are in heaven, the Bible says he will make us perfect. It is because of Jesus and his perfection that covers us that we are accepted by God. Ephesians 3.9, be found in him not having my own righteousness, my own goodness, my own perfection, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And so at the great white throne judgment, the book will be open, and every word, every thought, every action, every deed of every unsaved person will be laid against the perfection, the holy standard of God. And the reason they're lost is because they stand on their own merits and their own goodness, if they have any, and it comes far short of what God demands. The second book that will be opened at the great white throne judgment is the book of life. The book of life contains the names of all of those who have been saved, all of those who have been forgiven, all of those who have received God's grace and mercy provided through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the unsaved refused to receive the only salvation offered for their sin, they will have to pay the penalty of their sins themselves. And that penalty is eternal separation from God. The books will be open of your life. It will show that you have fallen short of the glory of God. And then the, the book of life will be opened to show that you never received Christ. You rebelled. You rejected God's offer of forgiveness through the Lord Jesus Christ. The evidence will be presented. Those who stand before the great white throne judgment are lost, unsaved. Finally, I want us to see the sentence at the great white throne judgment. Once justice is handed out at the great white throne judgment, the sentence on those who are judged there is quickly carried out. The unsaved, death, and hell will all be dumped into the lake of fire, the final destination of the lost. And they will be there forever. 
You say, Brother Chris, is this true? My friend, it's true. It's true. And my paltry attempt to describe the reality of what we see before us in these verses doesn't even begin to measure the reality of what that will be like. To stand before the God who made you and the God who loved you, loved you, loves you, and the God who gave his life for you, to stand before that God, knowing that you have rejected him and rebelled against him all of your life. The reality, reality of that will be most horrible. As there will be varying degrees of rewards in heaven based on one's faithfulness to Christ after they were saved, so there will be varying degrees of punishment in hell. Hell will be hell for everyone, but some will be in, for want of a better word, some will be in hotter parts, parts of hell than others. There will be varying degrees of punishment in hell based on the light and the witness that God gave them that certain individuals have rejected based on the evil that they committed in their life. The final hell will be hell for everyone, but hell will be hotter for some than for others. My friend, these words are true. They're part of the Word of God. It should motivate us as Christians to pray for the lost, to pray for our family members who are lost, to pray for our friends who are lost, to pray for our acquaintances who are lost. But not just to pray for those that we know, but also to pray for those we don't know. And to pray for them, but do also to do more to use our resources, to do everything we can to make sure that the gospel of Jesus Christ is sounded forth around the world so that people might be saved. They might give their life to Christ. They might be born again so that they will not have to go before God at the great white throne judgment. Now, many have said, when I stand before God, I've got some questions for him. No, the Bible says when you stand before God, every mouth will be stopped. Justice will be done, and it will be clear and plain to everyone that they're getting what they deserve. There's only one way to avoid the terrifying reality of hell. Those who confess their sins and ask God to forgive them on the basis of Christ's substitutionary death will be delivered from God's eternal wrath. The writer of Hebrews has these chilling words for those who refuse to repent. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 through 31, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy of he who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Every time you reject the gospel, you trample that which is holy under your feet. 
who have counted the blood of the covenant by which he sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace. My friend, it's not a light thing. It's not a trivial thing to reject Christ. It's rebellion against an almighty God. It's a rejection of almighty God. And it's a sealing of your eternal destiny. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. My prayer is that you're saved. You're born again. You've come to Christ. You know Jesus. I pray that you have so that you won't have to stand at the great white throne judgment, the judgment of the lost. My friend, I will plead with, you, plead with you today to give your life to Christ. Oh, be saved. Be saved today is my prayer if you're not. And for we who are Christians, oh, let's do all that we can to spread the good news of Jesus Christ so that the lost might be saved, be born again. Thank you for joining us tonight. We continue our study of the book of Revelation next week. Until then, this is Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. And our prayer for you is that God will bless you.